0: Hello, and welcome back to Nature's Wonders. Today, we are joined with Dennis, who is the macroalgae king. On Instagram, he is tigerboyh20. He's going to be talking all about macroalgae tanks. This podcast is sponsored by Aquachar, Corals Anonymous, and Willow's Reef. Sit back and enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, how are you today?
1: Hey Will, good, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. So, this is Dennis. Dennis is the owner of the Instagram page, H 20 and it's been gaining a lot of followers lately from his crazy macroalgae tanks. So, can you tell us a little bit about what your style of the saltwater hobby is?
1: Yeah, sure. Um so you know as you mentioned i've been focusing on this kind of super niche area of saltwater keep uh tank keeping and uh pre- predominantly focused on macroalgae and you know macroalgae is is basically their their marine plants right i know they're not technically plants um given their they don't have the vascular structure that terrestrial plants do but um but For all intents and purposes, I'm going to call them plants. (laughs) And so uh, I've been scaping with plants uh, in a saltwater context, which I think is, has been super fun and interesting, um, given it, it, I've been borrowing heavily from uh, or inspired by freshwater aquascapes, uh, which, you know, utilize plants, freshwater plants a lot in their tanks.
0: Mm -hmm. So, we talked about macroalgaes when we started, and that might confuse a lot of people. so everybody sees algae as a bad thing, and what what makes this different, I guess?:
1: Yeah, so i I, I do think algae uh, in the reefing world um, you know has a bad rap, right? Um, we focus on in the reefing context, people talk a lot about nuisance algae. Um, and they go to great lengths to basically avoid it, right, to begin with. Uh, and, you know, starting off with dry rock, for example, uh, to avoid any unwanted hitchhikers. Uh, and then we also talk about, you know, like diatoms and, and microalgae, like green algae, that also is viewed as a nuisance. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think algae in general, like so far has had a bad rap. I think the the one exception is in the context of a refugium. Right, so, or an algae scrubber, people will use ketomorpha or you know or turf algae or hair algae in the case of algae scrubbers as a form of nutrient export right and filtration to support a main tank and so in that context, algae' has been considered a good thing uh for reef tanks but but i you know but I think you know it's a unique proposition to view algae as you know really the main event for a tank and to view them as the the primary um, inhabitants of a, of a reef tank. And so I've been, you know, basically looking for unique types of macroalgae that are display worthy, I'm going to call it, right, um, to, to show off in, in a tank. And, you know, really pretty amazed by the diversity of algae out there. I think, you know, previously you just think of, you know, again, keto or uh, different kinds of colorpa, which again is viewed as a nuisance or, or bubble algae, right? Um, but I think there's like a huge diversity of shapes and colors uh, in in macroalgae that's really kind of untapped right now. And so, uh, you know, I, it's been fun basically going down this rabbit hole of macroalgae, finding different kinds and uh, unique shapes and sizes and colors to to basically aquascape with in a reef tank.
0: Um, yeah, I've seen on. Especially on your recent um, tank that you set up, is it like the ten gallon long or twenty gallon long? It's ten there's, gallons. Yeah. Oh, it is ten long. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I mean, there's, there's just a ridiculous amount of color in there. Where do you find all of these macros? Are they from the Caribbean, or is there a certain ocean that they're? Yeah. Majority. Yeah. From?
1: Ma- majority of those are from the Caribbean. Um, you know, I go to various vendors in Florida, basically online vendors that collect in that area in Florida Keys. Uh, And so a lot of them do come from, you know, relatively local waters to us, and which is pretty cool too. So if, you know, if you lived in Florida, I suspect you should be able to collect all kinds of cool macroalgae that, you know, really we don't see in the hobby yet, because frankly, I think there's no demand for it, right? Yet, Uh, I think if, if there were a demand for it, I think it would be pretty easy to go out and start collecting it, and you know having having divers collected for you know for fish stores, uh, and that we could probably see a lot more. But I think just because there's not a real demand for it right now, uh, we we don't see a whole lot.
0: Mm. And so, when you start your tank, speaking of Florida, where you get your macros, I saw that you used real live rock. What makes that different from the dry rock and why do you do this
1: yeah so um you know part of it is i you know i started reef keeping back in 2004 and and back then it was a very different <laughs> different hobby and you know predominantly live rock real live rock i'm going to call it was the foundation of every reef tank for the most part right and that and that served uh you know for biological filtration purposes right um and and And, for aesthetics, but I think over time, the hobby has shifted towards dry rock and and that makes a lot of sense to me, right, because it's ecologically better right and more sustainable um but but the live rock that I've gotten recently and i and I have used dry rock before, right dry dry rock made by like real reef rock um and others, but you know recently I started getting into using real live rock again. From the Florida Keys, from KP Aquatics, and what they do is it's they actually they take dry rock and then they put it into the ocean in the Florida Keys in some in, a, in an area that they lease right uh, in the ocean. Let it sit there for a year or more, and then they harvest it and then sell it to you. You know, basically, it gets delivered to your door. So it's it's kind of a good compromise for me in terms of, you know, it's not like they're pulling rock straight from the ocean, right? Um, from a established reef, uh, they've seeded it with with dry rock. Uh, but the great thing about getting real live rock um, is one, you know, of course, there's biodiversity that you get from it, right? Lots of hitchhikers and things of the, and things of that nature. Um, but for me, as a macroalgae keeper, it's really cool because you get all kinds of macroalgae, right, that hitchhike. I don't know if you've seen my in my ten um, gallon lagoon. You know there's like this huge brown mass you'll see on the left side right and it's yeah huge right that came as a tiny tiny hitchhiker actually on the live rock that i acquired and and that you know from that tiny tiny hitchhiker it grew into that huge plume right like it's a pretty impressive plume um and i have a ton of other macroalgae in there that, ba- that basically hitchhiked with the rock so for me i actually want it <laughs> i actually want the the hitchhikers while others may not, right? Uh back when we were when I first started reefing, when we did get live rock, you know, we actually didn't want any of the macroalgae hitchhikers, so we would, you know, we would cure the rock and would would put them in an extended dark period, right, with no light uh to ensure that the the macroalgae dies off. But for me, I'm kind of doing <laughs> the exact opposite, right? Like I'm promoting it. So so you know, you get all kinds of macroalgae that pop up randomly. And for me, that's that's actually a cool thing, right? Considering I'm trying to keep macroalgae, <laughs> so the more the merrier in my tank.
0: Yeah. Do you find that the macros grow really fast uh, compared to normal plants, or is it medium, or depending on the species?
1: Yeah. I yeah. I think there's definitely some faster growers than others, right? Um, like the like the Dictyota, the, the the brown algae in there that you see, and and Calerpa are super fast growers for me. Um, and with the Calerpa, like you can see like a new blade forming, you know, like every other day, right. If the conditions are right. So they, they do grow pretty quickly. Um, and you know, a lot of that I think is because I do dose nutrients. I try to keep nutrients up, um, and dose trace elements to help them, you know, basically promote growth. But, you know, I, it's interesting though, because even though I dose nutrients, um, in in my tank, especially that the lagoon, right, the ten gallon, where it's just, I think there's like 18 different species of algae in there. It's interesting because I can't I can't target right which one gets nutrients. So it's really it's just really interesting to see right like which ones are able to consume it faster than others. So the growth rates vary greatly. And if if I put in like a clorpa in there, like just a small piece that would grow really fast otherwise because it's competing for nutrients with all the other different kinds of macroalgae, that the growth actually is pretty limited. Like it actually doesn't grow as fast as you would think. So everything's kind of keeping each other at bay in that tank. So, which is pretty interesting.
0: Which, what nutrients do you dose? Like specifically what trace elements?
1: Yeah. So um, I, I dose, you know, I think nitrates and phosphates are very important. Right when you're keeping up macroalgae. And so, you know, definitely want to ensure that you have detectable levels of those. And I do dose it's basically Brightwell aquatics products, uh Neonitro, Neophos, which basically, you know, doses nitrates and phosphates. Um, I also dose KetoGro, which is a fertilizer specifically for macroalgae, and it has, you know, a bunch of different things in there, including, you know, iron, right, which is needed. So um, I think Combination of fertilizers plus nitrates and phosphates. It's kind of that's a well rounded approach um, to keeping the nutrients that macroalgae need. I also dose, although I'm trying to dial it back down a little bit, but I was supplementing ferrous iron on top of that, um, which I think maybe I was overdoing it. So I, I am testing for iron right now and trying to dial that in a little bit, but you could also dose iron
0: uh, directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that the fertilizers really induce strong colors in your macros? Yeah,
1: I, I, I do. I think it's a combination of nutrients um, plus lighting, right, of course, um, like like all things. And what's interesting is, you know, like the red macroalgae, um, you, you'll notice it's, it's both like I think the fertilizers, specifically iron, right, um, ensuring that you have enough iron. Uh, that really helps promote the red coloration. but but, in addition to that, it's actually light intensity. So if the light intensity is lower, you actually get the more vibrant red color in macroalgae, which is pretty interesting. So, if you have like super high intensity lights, you'll notice that they start dulling out quite a bit, becoming pale. Um so it's it's like it's in a, it's it's basically trying to figure out dialing in nutrients plus lighting. Right, um, to keep macroalgae happy.
0: So you aren't using the standard blue light from just like Kessel and things like that. I see that you're using like freshwater tank lights.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can you
0: talk a little bit about that? Sure. And why you do that
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's not a ton of resources out there about macroalgae keeping, to be honest. Um, and when I was starting out, like, yeah, I did a bunch of research and. The the few things that I was able to find uh, talked about basically, you know, looking at lighting that was closer spectrally to the sun, right? And there, you know, I I saw like 6,500 K, right, as being thrown around quite a bit. Um, And so I was looking for lighting closer in that range. And and of course, all the all the traditional reef lights out there are not definitely not in that range, right? They're a lot more blue. Um, and so I, I found these freshwater planet tank lights, right? The, the twin stars, which is what I use for all my tanks. Um, and they, they have a, they're basically, their temperature is at, is exactly at 6,500 K. And so I figured, you know, why not start there, right? And see how it goes. And I've seen a lot of good growth with using this these specific lights. Um, I, you know, there's some people that say, oh, you need more blues to bring out. Certain colors in macroalgae, right? Like I think there's common thought. School of thought is, you know, dragon's breath, right? You know, that really vibrant red with the orange tips. Uh, there's a common thought that dragon's breath requires a lot of blue, right? And that's what will bring it out. And you know, so I I, I believe that too. So I I, barely, I basically avoid keeping dragon's breath in my tanks. I happen to get just in a sample pack, you know, a, a piece of dragon's breath. And it was completely red, like no orange tips, and I put it in my tank, and surprisingly, the orange tips did it did develop and I think it's it yes, it could be blue lights, but I think it's also intensity right and so the the dragon's breath that I did have it was really high up in the tank, really close to the lights, and then it like the orange tips just came out super bright, and so it's pretty interesting, kind of experimenting right, basically, and seeing what works in terms of you know basically care for macroalgae
0: yeah so your tanks that you use as well are those freshwater tanks like for the normal yeah like planted tanks
1: yeah they're yeah so i i use um uns tanks uh i i am sponsored by them uh they're Altum nature they're uh, it's basically Ultimate nature systems they're uh la company and and i think they are much bigger in the freshwater like planet tank world, um I actually got one of their tanks because I was setting up a pico, like a three gallon pico a couple years back. Um, and I just I just happened to stumble upon their tank at a at a fish store, local fish store, and then I, I you know I, I was using it for that purpose, but I really liked the clarity of the glass. It's like super clear glass, like the clear silicon, which I know some people don't like, but I actually like it. Um, and it has, like, 45-degree mitered edges, which is super cool. So I really like that tank. So when I was looking at into basically setting up macroalgae tanks this year, um, I, I I went back to UNS and, you know, looked really hard. And they have, like, a crazy number of different sizes, right? Like, all different kinds of sizes and, and dimensions from, like, super shallow, like the one that I have, uh, which is the 60S for the 10-gallon lagoon. Um, to like all-in ones, which is my red macroalgae dominant tank, um, and and beyond. So I I really like their tanks. Um, you know, I I think you could use them for saltwater tanks too, but I think they're they're predominantly known in the freshwater world.
0: Mm-hmm. So for someone starting out in macroalgae,s what are some tips that you'd give them to ensure success?
1: Yeah, um, I so. I do get a lot of questions about that, uh, about starting a macroalgae tank, and I think uh, it's, you know, I still need to know the basics of keeping a saltwater tank, right? I mean, it still, it still is basically keeping a saltwater tank, and you know, once you get those fundamentals down, and how, in, in however format you want to learn, right? Whether it's reading articles, going on message boards, or watching YouTube videos, um, I I think once you figure out the fundamentals of keeping a saltwater tank, you know. I think then you adjust it accordingly to keep macroalgae, right? And and there's some things that people think you need to do in the saltwater world or reefing world, right? That I think don't really apply as well, as, as applies as but just as in in the macroalgae context. So like for example, like you don't need to go crazy with filtration, right? I mean, yes, you should have filtration and biological fil- filtration is still my mind. You know fundamental right like piece of it so definitely have live rock and, and biomedia and whatnot but you don't have to get like a protein skimmer right I and mean, there's no need to remove those excess nutrients because those excess nutrients will only benefit macroalgae so uh I, you know i think that's kind of a little difference right in terms of keeping macroalgae you don't have to worry about adding things like phosphate removers chemi like any of that kind of stuff because Again, the macroalgae itself, right, will, will utilize everything that those things would take out of the water. So I, I think it's kind of like basic reef keeping, but then you dial it back a little bit, right? And, and in that sense, I think it's a little easier in terms of, you know, when you buy equipment, you can actually use a lot of freshwater equipment, right, that you have lying around. You don't have to go crazy and upgrade everything to like saltwater tank equipment. Um, you could even use again freshwater planet tank lights, so you know I don't think you need to go crazy with the equipment when it comes to macroalgae tanks.
0: Mhm, are there any struggles that you faced that you wish you could go back and change something before you did it?
1: yeah i you know I think um getting the dosing down in terms of nutrients right? I think that is a little challenging, and so In the beginning, I was dosing very, very sparingly, right, Um, and you know, and things looked fine, right? Like if you observe the macroalgae, things are going really well, great colors, no issues. But then I was, I started, you know, I was testing, right? What you know, what I dosed, and like it seemed like everything was zeroing out, right? Like phosphates and nitrates were zero, and you know, you hear like, oh, you should be keeping some detectable levels of both of those things. So I was upping my dosing, trying to chase those numbers, um, even though I really think I didn't need to, right? Like just based on observing the tank, it looked fine and it was growing fine. Um, But I was chasing those numbers. And then in my mind, I think I overdid it, right? In terms of dosing. And then I started getting like hair algae, turf algae, things that people don't, you know, things that I viewed as nuisance, right, truly nuisance, like those types of things started to grow, right, started getting more diatoms. Um, and so it was, it was hard, like, dialing that back to to where it was before, which in my mind was perfectly balanced, right, where even though you didn't have detectable levels, you still, you were still dosing, so you know that they were consuming it, right, and they're, and they're growing. So, and I think, you know i probably should have just trusted my gut and look, observed right first and looked at you know how things are um instead of chasing numbers and so that's that's one thing is i will say is you know i don't think you should chase numbers per se right but but look at how things are uh, before adjusting your dosing and and doing all
0: that yeah and when when i'm looking at your um instagram pictures you can't really see a lot of fish in each tank. Do you have a certain reason for that, or is it just the minimalist planted tank style that you like?
1: Yeah, I think I've I've always been pretty minimalist when it comes to fish keeping. So, um, so yeah, I, I I don't really place a big you know premium on putting fish in any of my tanks really. So, which is why you don't see a lot of fish in there. Um, so, I mean, it's aside from that, there's really no other reason. I I think you it's perfectly fine to keep fish with macroalgae. Um, and I think that it's probably a more comfortable environment, you know, maybe I'm biased, but you know, to have all that macroalgae that fish can swim through. Um, I think like anything, like when keeping macroalgae, the thing that you do have to worry about is basically macroalgae going, basically that's called going sexual, right? Um, it's like a basically a, you know, it's, it's a survival response to, to changes in parameters, you know, insufficient nutrients, maybe improper lighting, Um, like anything like that can trigger, right, in, in macroalgae, a a response where basically it just releases all of its spores, right? Like it basically just becomes translucent and releases all of its spores into the water, uh, including all the nutrients and everything, anything else, right, that it consumed. And so when, when that happens, right, you have these nutrient spikes, In the water um and you know because it's just dumping in in mass right everything that had everything that was contained inside of it and and in addition to that you know there's increased respiration when they do that so like co2 levels go up so so all those things are not great you know i think for the inhabitants right like fish and inverts um definitely wouldn't be great for coral right which again that's that's why i like just keeping predominantly macroalgae because I don't think that works well for corals, right? To have like big swings like that, um, so that's always a risk, and that's also a big reason why I try to keep nutrient levels, you know, you know where they are, right? To to help prevent things like that, but you know it's going to happen. I mean, it, it's it's happened to me, right? It's probably going to happen, and and best best thing to do when it does happen. Is act fast, right? Remove all the the dying macroalgae out of the tank really quickly. Uh, do like a huge water change um, and run carbon, right? Run carbon for like 24 hours. And so it's happened to be a couple times, you know, since I've been keeping macroalgae, and fortunately nothing, nothing has. There's no ill effects, right? Um, but but you know the risk is, you know, what I described, right? Fluctuations in water parameters. That could affect the other inhabitants. And two, which is more of a problem if you're keeping coral, like you may have like macroalgae randomly growing, right? <laughs> like sprouting in different areas, in different places in the tank, which I can see driving like reefers crazy, right? But, but for me, it's not a bad thing. Like it, I don't mind <laughs> if there's like more macroalgae growing somewhere else. So for me, it hasn't been really an issue. But that's really something I think people should be aware of, right? When keeping macroalgae is... The risk of that happening.
0: So, speaking of the spreading, what are the different ways that the algae spread? Is it all just like, but get all bushy and they grow more leaves and things like that, or? Yeah,
1: know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it depends on you know the structure of the macroalgae, obviously, right? So, if it's like, Calerpa, um you'll they have they have runners, right? Like they have runners at the very base. That can like literally grow in sand right in substrate uh, attached to rocks and grow on rocks and from those runners you'll see new blades growing up right versus if you're looking at like. Um, like the blue hypnea, right, which is basically like a stringy big bush, right, um, like that just keeps growing and expanding, right, outwards and upwards uh, into like a big bush, and so it just depends what kind you're keeping in the structure. Um, I, you know, I have some of these like I think like common names like Christmas tree macroalgae. or you know, they basically it looks like a Christmas tree, right? I don't know if you've seen them in my photos, but those also have really like thick runners. That, that move under the sand and sh- sprout out new ones, right? Like further along down in the sand somewhere. So it's it's not, you can't like control where it's going to grow, right? Obviously, so that there's some level of, there, you know, trimming is an important component of a macroalgae tank, right? You got to trim regularly. Um, I, I trim things all the time, like every week I'm trimming. And, I you know, when things grow in places where I don't want, I usually trim and I move them to the places where I do want. So it's it's placing as well, like constantly, like replacing uh, and moving things around. So you know there is a fair amount of work that goes into that. But I think that's kind of like that's akin to any kind of freshwater planted tank, right? Is is the regular maintenance that you have to do?
0: Yeah, and you were talking about the structure of the runners versus getting bushy. Are there are all of the macros just like that fine fluffy kind of leaf? that's like easy to break? Because I've seen some that are like hard and more of a calcium base. Do yeah. you yeah. care for any of those?
1: Um. Yeah, no, I, I, I like them all, right? <laughs> and so, yes, there are some that the, the more calcified types, they're definitely more rigid, right? And it's not as, you know, you're definitely going to have to use some some clippers to clip those. It's not, you can't just pull them apart very easily like other macroalgae. Um, you know, those do require, Uh, more calcium, right? Which, which I dose too. I also dose calcium and, you know, and I I dose two part basically, right? Calc and ALK solutions. So um, it it will consume both of those things. I think macroalgae in general will, will consume ALK too, right? I think they use bicarbonate as a, as a carbon source for photosynthesis. So you'll see the ALK drop as well when you keep macroalgae. So you got to dose that. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, I, those are pretty cool too. I think those off, offer some pretty unique like visuals, right? In terms of they're like super rigid and um and you know and and it's kind of like they add some diversity, right? To to the macroalgae tank as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm. In your in your whole tank, is it just macroalgae? like do you have any other types of corals like?
1: Yeah, so I yeah, so I do I do have I do have some photosynthetic gorgonians in there. Um, and, you know, I figured, like, the, the gorgonians, which are collected, you know, near where the macro algae are in, in, in the Florida, um, like, you know, spectrally, they're probably used to closer to the sun as well. So I figured, you know, those would be fine under these lights. And, you know, but I would stay away from other corals, obviously, right, That that I think may require, you know, different spectrum. So I do have gorgonians. I think... They do offer some diversity and some vertical height, right? To a, to aquascape. Um, I I don't think they're crucial, but I think that they're pretty cool to add to, to macroalgae tanks. And you'll see a lot of macroalgae tanks that have gorgonians, right? It's it's like a really nice pairing, so visually.
0: Uh, one of these pictures that you posted, it was like a blue potato chip that I thought could be some sort of Montipora. Do you know what coral that or macro that is?
1: Yeah, that's that's the blue scroll uh, macroalgae. And if you look, it only looks blue from the top, just FYI. So if you look, if you look at it from this side, and you can see in that photo that the outer edges of it, right, it, it will look basically brown or tan. Um, but when I did get that, it was just this like just a semi semi circular uh, flat piece and then I just I super gel glued it to, to the rock work. Actually I had two of them and one of them like I think I think my hermits or whatever like just devastated it. And so like it floated away somewhere I can't find it. but, but one of them uh, it managed to you know to take hold onto my rock work and that, and then once it took hold, it started growing those crazy spirals, right that you see in that photo. Um, And from the top down, when you look at it, it shimmers blue. uh, So it has that cool effect. Uh, But again, only from the top down.
0: Do you find that your hermit crabs and your other types of cleanup crew eat your macro
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I try to keep, you know, I suspect some of those hermits do, right? They'll munch on them. But I haven't noticed any kind of, like, significant amount, right, that they've consumed. So I, I do have scarlets. And I have some dwarf hermits that I got um, from Hawaii, actually, that are like super small. So the dwarfs don't really do anything. Like I don't really see them touching the macroalgae. The scarlets TBD, right? (laughs) They they may or may not. I see them all over it, but I don't know if they're eating it or not. Um, But you know, so but but hermits, there's always a risk that they that they will. Um, I don't I don't keep like emeralds, right? Emeralds will emerald crabs will obviously munch on those so I don't keep those I think most cleanup crew like snails will be fine I think the only kind of snails that you probably should avoid are like you know there's really huge like Mexican turbos <laughs> I feel like those probably could do some damage um and like sea urchins obviously right those could do some damage to the macroalgae um sea hairs like things like that so I do stay away from that um, of course, there's fish, right? There's fish that will eat it as well, but I don't. I don't have anything that will eat it at the moment.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I think I really learned a lot, and you shared all your knowledge. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, really so thank appreciate you for it. coming on.
1: Yeah, happy to.
0: All right. See ya.
1: All right. Take care.